0: This I say that every one of you saith, I'm of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, or Peter, and I of Christ. And he says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And Paul speaking says, I thank God that I didn't baptize anybody. And he says, I baptized three people, Crispus and Gaius and the household of Stephanus, lest any should say that I baptized in my own name. For Christ, verse 17, for Christ sent me not to baptize, meaning that wasn't my primary commission. There are people who can baptize, and yeah, I baptize some of you. Baptism's important, but that's not the primary reason that God sent me to you. He sent me to preach the gospel. Christ sent me to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto those who are saved, it is the power of God. And so today I come to bring you a reminder of the gospel. A reminder of the gospel. Lord, I thank you for the people that you have assembled in this place. Thank you for the word that you have helped me to put together, to share with this people. God, I pray that you would anoint my lips to speak what needs to be said and only what needs to be said. God, I pray that you would anoint the ears of all of us to hear your word, to hear it in a way that affects us, that changes us, that transforms us. I bind every worldly spirit or worldly attitude that would be speaking words in the ears of people today, and I pray for an atmosphere and an environment for absolute truth to be heard in clarity, in Jesus' name. If you agree with that prayer, would you just say in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Paul was talking to a church where people were starting to identify themselves by who had baptized them or who had discipled them and say, well, I am more important because Paul baptized me. Well, no, my ministry should be heard because Peter baptized me. It was this contention and division, and it sounds a lot like what happens outside of these walls every day in the media. If you've been listening to any news anywhere you've heard lots of people saying, I belong to this group and I belong to that group and it's the factioning and fractioning of our world. And Paul brings a reminder that division can be overcome with a renewed focus on the gospel. Division can be overcome with a renewed focus on the gospel. Elder T.F. Tenney, who has passed on now to his reward, wrote a book, and he said, let's keep the main thing the main thing. Man, there's so many side tracks that we could take in the world in which we live, and sometimes we just need to be reminded to keep the main thing the main thing the central focus, the the, the thing that's pulling us all together. And so I stand here today to remind us of the gospel. We've been well reminded in music of the impact of the gospel, of some truths of the gospel. And I just want to ask you, do you remember the gospel? The gospel, this, this concept and core message, central message of the Bible, the, the real reason that Jesus came, the real reason that God manifests himself in flesh was the gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. To pay the final payment of propitiation and atonement for the sin that I had committed. This is the gospel. And so I'm here to remind us of the saving power of the gospel, of our deep need for the gospel. Lest we forget, before we come to God, we are lost separated from God because of our unholy and fallen human nature. We inherited it. It's not that we did anything at birth to earn a a fallen nature. It just comes, comes with being human because of Adam's sin. And because our inherited Adamic nature is so unlike his holiness, we are separated from God. Before we come to know him, before we Meet him, like the song just said. Till I met him, I was separated from him. And over and over and over again, I have to meet him again. Keep coming back and keep coming back. I need to be reminded of the gospel that his holiness can only be fully experienced when we have... Uh, identified with his cross in repentance and with his burial in water baptism and with his resurrection as we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the initial sign of speaking in this language that none of us have ever learned before. This is how we become part of the gospel. This is how we live out the gospel. We need this reminder that the gospel is not just about my initial salvation— but then it becomes my identity. And the gospel should lead me to a place of change. Change at the most fundamental level of my life. Change at a foundational point where I am no longer just a, a recipient of the gospel, but I am an experiencer, a liver out of the gospel. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It says, "And so dear brothers and sisters." Now when he says that, he's talking to the church. He's not addressing people who haven't yet experienced the gospel. He's talking to people who are trying to live it out and he says, "So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you." Let Let your bodies be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable, and that's truly the way that we worship him. Verse 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. King James says, be not conformed unto this world. Don't let this world shape you and make you and and, and form you into its image. It says don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We are not to walk like the world. We are not to talk like the world. We are not to look like the world. We are not to be confused in any way with this world. We're not to be conformed to their attitudes or their words or their behaviors. There should be separation between the church and the world. Why? Because His holiness is drawing us. Holiness itself is about separation unto God. And if I've received the Holy Spirit, I have this drawing force inside of me that's pulling me out of an unholy world and to a holy God. He begins to transform us by changing the way that we think. That holy presence starts to affect my mind. And all of a sudden, I I start bringing my worldly understandings and my ideologies and paradigms that have been shaped by the prominent philosophies of this world, and I start filtering them through this. And I start saying, wow, you know, I grew up being taught this. Does that that really line up with scripture? Is that really scriptural? Let's get a little more real. I saw this cool meme on Facebook. And man, it really spoke to me. So I hit share. And it has nothing to do with scripture. It doesn't line up to scripture. It's not a truth. Somebody might say it's my truth. I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit. There are some opinions that we've learned from the world that we need to allow God to change. As we start coming into church, all of a sudden the way that we think starts to get challenged by the Holy Ghost. Some of us who've been in church for a long time, we need to let the Holy Ghost challenge some ways that we think. Let him correct some things that come out of our human fallen mind. The world's wisdom will never lead you to the knowledge of God. Paul continues, if we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he continues in verse 18 and he says, for the preaching of the cross is to those who perish foolishness. People who are not on the right path, people who are not pursuing God, people who are pursuing destruction by their lifestyle, they feel like the preaching of the cross is foolish, But unto us who are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this world? Man, there are so many disputers out there right now. Arguers, debaters. They just want to dispute. Contend for their personal position. And it says, has, not, has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? For that a, a, in the wisdom of God, the world, by its own wisdom, didn't even know him. Couldn't recognize him. Didn't understand him. And so it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You cannot come to know God through the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of this world is variable. It's ever shifting. It's like standing in a sandpit. You can't quite get a good footing. Because it's ever moving and ever changing and ever evolving. And while I would I, it's probably not appropriate to say that the, 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 the word the, the messages change because the messages have been the same from the fall of man. The packaging is different person saying it is different. The reason they, they say they're saying it is probably different. But Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. The world's buzzwords change. But the ideas, the, the ideas of worldly deception have not changed very much. Let's, start, let's, let's just talk about some truths present in the world. I see this a lot. Everything that you need is inside you. You are your own light. Let me just tell you, that is ripped I- explicitly, word for word, from a humanist doctrine. Humanism. You know, that religion that makes humans the gods? That idea that I don't need any Extra being to shape me or inspire me or fill me or redeem me. Everything that I need is in me. It's a lie from the pits of hell. Proverbs 14, chapter and verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Without God, we are lost. We are in sin, and we have a deep need to be redeemed, to be purchased, to be cleansed, to be changed. When I am born, everything I need for life is not in this vessel because I've got a a, a God-shaped hole that needs to be filled. He created me that way. He created me with a desire for relationship with him. He created me to be fulfilled by a relationship with him. And so if we believe this lie that says everything that I need is inside me, I will always feel unfulfilled with my life. Why? Because it's a lie. It's a lie. Second lie is, Human nature is fundamentally good. People can always work to be better, but humanity on the whole is not so bad to begin with. This is fundamental humanist ideology. And it is everywhere. It's ubiquitous in our culture. You walk into schools... And I'm not saying they're doing this for the reason of being new age or anything like this, but you look at the posters that are supposed to affect our children's self-esteem. You see a lot of this. You see a lot of this type of general undermining of the truth of God's word. You can do it. No, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. The partial truth is never enough to satisfy the fullness of salvation. Jeremiah 7 and verse 9 says that the human heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart, this center of our motivations, is not good, it's desperately wicked. And we do our best as, as parents or as grandparents to, to teach and shape our children and grandchildren so that they have these moral understandings and follow social rules that make them good citizens and, and, and raise them up to value others. But without those teachings that are rooted in Scripture, by the way, without that, we've seen what human civilization can be when there's no adherence to a moral foundation. It's not pretty. Human beings are not fundamentally good because we have a fallen nature. When God first created us, yes, we were created in his image and there was a perfection there. But when sin was chosen by the first generation, it has affected every generation. And we inherit this fallen and corrupted version of the perfect humanity that God created. This is, this is the idea of evolution, that we evolve to be better and better and better. Nothing in the world goes from chaos to order. Nothing. We d- nothing in the world gets better without care, without uh, intervention. Hum- human beings are the same. We can go from chaos to order only by divine intervention. This is the truth. This is the truth. We've got to be very careful about the truths that we choose to believe. Because one mistruth or one distorted truth can lead you into many other lies, it opens the door for deception pastor talked about truth last week and it it has been sitting with me another deception of this world is this concept and we see it everywhere and I kind of wish our young people were hearing this right now this idea of speaking your truth speak your truth biblically speaking there is no such thing as your truth That concept, again, is straight out of New Age humanistic teaching that tries to have spirituality without God. That I can have this this understanding or this enlightenment that somehow inspires me to move forward in my life and nobody can argue with my truth. This statement has no place in the mouth Of a Christian. This statement has no place on the Facebook page of a Christian. Why? Because my truth does not matter. His truth matters. His truth matters. You want to talk about your experience or your understanding or your wisdom, that's fine. But biblically speaking, the only one who owns the right to truth is the creator of truth. He doesn't just speak truth. He is the truth. John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody's coming unto the Father except by me. The danger of everybody having a personal truth is that suddenly we start trying to define salvation for ourselves. And we have a situation again like Cain where I bring the sacrifice that I want to give instead of the sacrifice that God has required. He is truth. John 8, 31, 32, Jesus said to the Jews which believed on him, If you continue, not in your own opinion, but if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, the truth, not a truth, not your truth, the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There are people trying to find freedom in their own truth. And they will never succeed. Falsehood number four. Hustle brings happiness. Hustle. I can work hard enough to eventually have it all. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. When he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said to them, Jesus is talking, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Those who are looking to hold on to what they've got aren't going to gain anything. But those who lay down or lose their life for my sake And the Gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Hustle. If I just work a little harder, if I just move a little faster, if I just do a little more, if I... No. No. You want to succeed in life? Lay that life down at the altar, the feet of the one who died for you, and let him make of you what he has created you to be. I'm not against working hard. Working hard is great, but when it's above your pursuit of the gospel, when you think truly that hustle brings happiness, that if I just work hard enough, no, that is a lie from the pits of hell. If you will submit, if you will obey, if you will believe, if you will pray, if you will pursue, if you will study the word of God, if you will align your lifestyle to this book, there is a a gifting of success in his righteousness that covers you. And he inspires you with what you should be doing and how you should be living Happiness is not found in the hustle. Worldly wisdom attempts to convince us that our own abilities and understandings are sufficient for the task of saving ourselves. But Jude chapter one, verse twenty five, I guess Jude only has one chapter. Jude tw- Jude verse twenty-five puts things back into perspective. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. This is solid, old fashioned preaching. I know it's not cool to decry popular memes and buzzwords of the generation, but it is time for some good old-fashioned preaching. Not the preaching that even goes back to the last century, but the preaching that goes back to the original. This is the measure. This is the standard. And it's time for some truth bombs to be unleashed in our own lives. I want that truth to explode everything else that I've, I've let filter in from the world. I want to see him like he says he is. I want to see you like he says you are. I want to see myself through the lens of his truth and his understanding. In this time, in this era, we better have clear Bible-based understandings of the truth so we can recognize all of these lies that are being sold to us on a daily basis. We better be familiar with the truth of this word. Because here's, here is the truth. If I don't call out the things that are not true, if I, if I don't call these things into the open and speak truth in the face of great deception, then our children and our grandchildren will believe far greater lies than we have embraced. Why? Because what I uh, accept in moderation our children will accept to excess. And what we do in moderation, our children will do to excess. Set the guardrails. Moms and dads, grandmas, grandpas, aunts and uncles, set the guardrails. Call out deception so that your children, I feel the Holy Ghost right now, you need to start speaking the truth in your home so your kids can hear the difference between what the world spews at them through every media device that is in your home right now. So that they can tell the difference between the lies and the truth. That commercial comes on TV, and it advertises something that you know is not right. Speak back to it. Nope. God didn't give that to us. God did not call us to that. Let your children hear you contradict the lies of the enemy in this world. Are you open Ask yourself, are you open to philosophies and understandings of the world that come from the world? Are you wide open? Or are you filtering every moment of every day? Is this what's guarding my heart? Is this what's keeping my spirit pure? Is this the measure by which I measure everything else? It is vital that we become and remain biblically grounded. Because it's only going to get harder to discern the lies from the truth. We better pray God gives us great discernment in these last days. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. What's that stronghold? It's an imagination. It's a high thing that exalts itself against what we know to be true in God, the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought Not just the sinful ones. Not just the ones that you easily label as wrong. Every thought. Every teaching. Every idea. Bringing it into the captivity unto the obedience of Christ. Every wind of doctrine. Every TV preacher. Wow, it got quiet right there. Every TV preacher. Not everybody who believes in God speaks truth. Every earthly philosophy. If you sit in classes and you're being taught by experts who do know their field really, really well, and they start talking about things that are in the spiritual domain, you better pass that through. This word. I filtered every day. I went to a secular college for four years. I got my master's uh, for three and a half years. Every single day I'm filtering. God, this doesn't line up with your word. I may have to spit this back out on a test, but it's not getting into my spirit. Every thought, every definition of who I am, every science falsely so-called, I'm filtering it through Word of God. Why? Because the gospel is at the center of it all. And my obedience to the gospel is not just about repentance and baptism and being filled with the Holy Ghost. My obedience to the gospel is about my lifestyle, it's about my thought life, it's about the truth. I bring these things unto the obedience of. Of Christ unto the obedience of His word, unto the knowledge of God, letting His knowledge or what we know to be true in God shape what I believe. And this is in every domain. I, I brother Brian, I don't talk politics a whole lot. I was a political science minor in college. I love to talk politics. My natural self enjoys that. I don't talk politics a whole lot. Why? Because the gospel is central. The gospel is the message that I really want to convey. I am going to speak politically for just one moment, though. You better let this book determine what you politically embrace and believe. Every domain of my life, social, political, what I do out there, what I do in here, most importantly, what I do in here and in here, everything needs to be reminded of the gospel. I was redeemed. I was bought with a great price. He paid for me not just so I could live in heaven with him, but so I could live a redeemed and sanctified life here. Let's all stand. The messages from this world and the message from the word and from this pulpit are never going to line up. The world will always be pulling against the messages of the word and the messages of the pulpit. The world will never encourage you to have a true, real life-changing relationship with God. So somebody needs to hear this next statement. The Lord gave it to me specifically for somebody in this room. You need to stop waiting for a sign to come from outside of the word of God, the will of God, that's the speaker, the preacher, that's giving you access to, to truth. Stop looking for a sign in signs. Signs. Sister Dory, your husband can come back and correct me if he wants to. You don't need to be touching astrology. You don't need to be touching psychics. You don't need to be touching these other spiritualistic, new age understandings. It's not Christian. I don't need that. I've got him. Was enough if I could do it all by myself, if I could save myself, Jesus would not have come. But He did. He came and He lived and He taught and He exampled for us what a spirit-filled life would look like, and He submitted that flesh to suffer horribly, unjustly, and to die a criminal's death. That is the truth. Why? Because The truth is that I needed him to do that. I couldn't save myself. And he did that because he knew that today we'd be standing here in 2020 amidst all of these attempts to divide and to parcel out people into different groups that can oppose each other. We'd be standing here in 2020 seeing people sow chaos and confusion and that we would be here today in need of a mental and spiritual reset to refocus on him and refocus on just how much I need him every day. Not just the day I was saved. I need him every day. Not just when I mess up. I need him every day. Every day. You need the gospel. I need the gospel. It is the main thing. Paul said, I'm glad I, I don't know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm glad that I don't know the latest gossip. I'm glad that I'm not up on the latest scandal. I'm glad I don't listen to all the news. What I do know is that Jesus was crucified, and he's among you. And he sent me to preach not platitudes, not feel-good, change-nothing messages. He sent me to preach the gospel. Some of you are here because you have found the messages of this world to be hollow and useless. And you're in the right place. There is truth here that will make you free. And today is your encounter to become an experiencer of the gospel. You've heard it. You've desired it. You've been drawn to it. You wouldn't be here unless the Spirit was drawing you. Today is your opportunity. Would you just close your eyes with me right now? We're going to take a moment, all of us, whether you've served God for 80 years or 80 seconds, we're all going to repent together. Lord, you are the true examiner of our hearts, and we can't know by ourselves the contents of this heart, but you see it and you know it. You've been there every moment of every life that's in this room times when we've done well and the times when we have failed to live out your word. So God, I just pray that you would search me right now. I don't want anything in my spirit or in my life that's not like you. I don't want any thought in my mind that's not like you. Change me, Jesus. I repent before you, God. Please forgive me of every word and every thought that I've entertained and every, every action, Lord Jesus, that has been out of alignment with your word and with your will for my life, God. Please forgive me. I will turn around. I'm turning to you. I'm turning my life to you. I'm turning my finances to you. God, I'm turning my future to you. I'm turning everything that I've been trying so hard to hold on to, I'm turning it over to you right now, Jesus. I'm turning my thoughts over to you, God. You know what's been sown into me that doesn't belong in the mind of a Christian. And so, God, I pray that you would pluck out those things that are not true, God. That you would change my perspective. That you would change my identity, Lord Jesus. That you would help me to see clearly with your light on. Turn the light on in my darkness, Jesus those dark corners of my heart that I, I just ignore and hide away. Lord, I pray that you'd shine the light in every dark corner of my heart. Change me, Jesus. Now, if with, with, still with every eye closed, if, if, if you need the Holy Ghost today, either you need to be filled or you want to be renewed in his spirit. It's been a while since you've spoken in tongues. Would you just lift your hands up to him? Nobody's looking at you. Nobody's watching. It's between you and Jesus. God, I pray that you would fill every hungry heart, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, we trust that you want to fill more than they want to be filled, Lord God. I pray that the Holy Ghost would be released right now in the name of Jesus Christ to fill every hungry heart, God. I pray that the flow of, of, of speaking in tongues would be easy. God, that you would bind every spirit of fear every spirit of distraction right now, Jesus, that you would fill to overflowing God with your presence and your power, Lord. If you can pray in the Spirit right now, would you just pray in the Holy Ghost for a little bit? Let's cover our brothers and sisters who are seeking right now with a little bit of intercession in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Godly things that we might also think upon, godly things, God. Oh, in Jesus' name, that things of the Spirit, God, that the things of you would just flow through us, God, through our daily lives for this week, God. I pray, God, for every person that's here today, every person watching online, God, your blessing upon them. This week, in Jesus' name, Lord, go with us, Lord. Help us, God, throughout this week, we pray. In the name of Jesus, somebody said, in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you for a Monday night prayer, and we'll see you on Wednesday night. You're dismissed, Jesus.